Well, I am honored to welcome both Coach Shresky and Coach Bruton here today as we talk about this upcoming Super Bowl. First of all, before we kind of look at the Super Bowl game itself, how exciting has this season been for the both of you? What, what, what are your thoughts on the NFL season of this past? I'll go for, I think it's been a really uh, really interesting season. I, I think, um, obviously, as a Bears fan, it wasn't uh, – you know, it wasn't necessarily the wins and losses results we were looking for, but but what an exciting season! I, I think uh, I saw one of the media people saying, if you're not the Super Bowl champs, the uh, the next best season is to end up with the first pick. So as a Bears fan, I'm ecstatic. I think the future is bright. Uh, but I think the NFL season, it was. Um, I think the two best teams are probably at the end, which is always cool to see. Um, and, and I think it was good. You know, we we watch a lot of football on Sundays and. Uh, um, I thought it was just, you know, as always, a, re- a really good season. Yeah, I love one of the things I think you're seeing is kind of a, a change in guard, too, you're, especially at the quarterback position. You know, obviously Brady retiring. You're seeing some of, a guy like Rodgers kind of dwindling. But these young quarterbacks um, that we're seeing in the Super Bowl and, and obviously several others like Josh Allen and, and those guys, like there's a new regime Um there's new new players, new teams that are, are really stepping up, at, kind of to be the premier teams in the league, and so it's it's fun for new fan bases because I'm sure um, te- kind of people are getting sick of seeing the same same groups, so it's fun to fun to watch. We'll start with Coach Tresky on this one. You know, I I look at and think it's the surprises in the season that are always kind of unique to me, and I think like Jacksonville last year they looked kind of like a mess, and and now they they make the playoffs. What were some surprises for you personally this season? Um, honestly, to me, I, I think what you're sharing speaks to the parity of the NFL, like the the, the gap in talent right now um, between the teams that we're going to watch on on Sunday versus you know the teams that that struggle the most this year is, is so minimal. Um, players are coming in so much more you know NFL ready than they have been in the past. You see the same thing even in college. Um, players are getting de- developed at at a higher rate. And so small changes um, in structure or small changes in coaching or scheme or, or one, you know, addition on, on each side of the ball can make a major, major difference on what you see on, on Sunday. Um, so it makes it a lot more entertaining as a fan. I mean, the, because you know the gaps are, are so small, you have, you have teams like, you know, the Bears and the Lions that a year ago were really struggling. Now you're looking at saying, man, like you have to play your A game to be able to beat a team like that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is probably just the, the you know some of the teams that disappointed. You know, you look at um, I don't know what the odds would have been before the season, but I, I think the Rams and the Packers were uh, the two favorites in the NFC to win the NFC or, or be the Super Bowl representative, and they were two of the you know, probably top four or five teams to win the Super Bowl. Uh, neither of them making the playoffs was was a pretty huge shock. So I, I think just a couple of the teams that disappointed. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's really interesting is I think. You're seeing the teams uh, that that have the best quarterbacks um, are having to pay their quarterbacks such an absorbative amount of money now that it really yeah. puts the rest of your roster in, in a tough position. You know, the, the best position you can be in right now is to have a, quarter, a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie contract, and you get that three- to four-year window where you're paying a guy, you know, maybe 30 or $40 million less than everybody else's position. So you know, I think you look at, like, you know, Rodgers making fifty million and Stafford making you know forty million or whatever it was, and um, just some of those some of those teams that struggled um, that, that you kind of expected to be there again, and um, it's just really interesting kind of that dynamic with the salary cap. 
Now, I'd like to ask the both of you just about this. DeMar Hamlin and the situation that he had, um, got to be terrifying as a player and coach out there. And I'm just wondering, we'll start with Coach Bruton. As a coach, when you enter into games, I know you can't focus on that during the game, but, but how do you even get a team to stay focused after an incident like that happens to a player on your team, do you think? Yeah, it's tough. You know, we've had uh, n- never anything to that to that degree, um, but it's hard. You know, we we had you know situations this year where where our quarterback went down a couple times, and um, you know that's tough. Just rallying the group after like an injury like that. Um, you see injuries where a guy goes down, and, and you, you know it's serious pretty quickly. Um, and you see you know their response sometimes on the sidelines, and you, you can tell when guys are you know guys know when they you know, maybe torn ACL or, you know, it's those serious type injuries that are going to maybe end their season. And you see how emotional they are on the sidelines and, and you know how um, the rest of the team kind of responds to that and reacts to that. And um, It's really difficult. I think really difficult to get your team back. Um, you know, my, my first year ever in coaching, I was a GA at Wisconsin-Platteville, and our, our last game of the season we had a safety that got, um, you know, taken off by ambulance uh, for the middle of the game, and it was kind of a similar – type situation. It wasn't uh, quite the extent of DeMar Hamlin, but it was one of those where you didn't know, you know, and it was about 10 minutes to go in the game, and um, you know, you, you coached the last 10 minutes um, not knowing, you know, if, if Ryan was okay, and and that was a really eye-opening experience. Um, you know, in that situation, our, our guys really rallied around the fact that they wanted to finish the game, close the game, like kind of an honor of Ryan, um, but it's hard, you know. I think the human element of, of seeing your friend, seeing your buddy, um, seeing your teammate down um, is really hard to overcome. And I think uh, it's kind of it's kind of situation by situation. But it really it really humanizes what our job is. You know, we're, we're coaches, but we're also you know mentors and father figures and to these guys. And, and a lot of it's just supporting them where they're at. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you when you think about the the nature of our season, like we we end up seeing our players more than we see our family at times. And so your, your players become like your sons, man. They're, they're like your adopted sons and you see them and, and all the work that they put in and all the sacrifice and all the things, even just to get to our school, you know, you look at a school like, like Collins, you look at a school like myself, like we, have, we have guys that literally uproot their entire lives, you know, from across the country to be a part of, of what we're trying to build here. And, and when, when something like that happens, your, your heart just breaks for those guys. And so, obviously, the players have to find a way to, to, to get themselves back into maybe the moment at hand. But even as coaches, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see those guys. Your heart breaks for those guys. Um, and somehow you've got to find a way to, to, to let that player know how much you care about him and, and that you're there with him, but also to, to keep the, the group moving forward. I think it's one of the hardest balancing acts as a coach is how do I, how do I care for the individual but yet still guide the group? Yeah, and in reality, it's it's often like thirty seconds. You know, it's it's um, you know, the Demar Hamlin situation was so unique because the, the CPR and obviously they cancel the game. But I mean, usually a guy a guy's off the field, they get him off the field to our sidelines, and thirty seconds later, you're making your next call. You know, and and that's it's hard. You know, it takes some time to regroup. You know, just yourself to kind of regroup. Um, you know, just as a, as like a as a coach, obviously like. You know, one of your key players going out, it changes how you're calling the game and things like that, but just emotionally how you, it affects you, but also how it affects everyone around you. Um, you know, I remember in 2021, you know, we were playing Aurora in the conference, 
you know, pretty much the conference championship game, and uh, we started the series and didn't know if Tez was going to be in the game or not, our starting quarterback. And, yeah. uh, you know, Lane was in the huddle with us. Tez was, said he was, you know, thought he was going to come back, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, we got to go. And everyone's kind of looking at you, and, and you just got to go. And uh, it's hard. You know, probably in that situation, we in a, in a one-score game, we wasted the first series of the fourth quarter because we didn't have a plan. Because um, we didn't, you know, we, you're just you're so unsure what's going to happen. But it, it happens so fast as a coach, it, it's really hard to prepare for. Well, let's look ahead to these two teams here in, in, in the Super Bowl. And, and I'm curious, is it a surprise to you, Coach Bruton, that the two teams that had the first week off in the playoffs are the ones in the Super Bowl? Not, not really. You know, I, I kind of thought from the start that Philly was the clear uh, best team in the NFC. I think they've been kind of the best team in the league the whole year. You know, if you look at just kind of how dominant they've been and, and how good they are on both sides of the line of scrimmage, um, obviously the, the injury to Purdy and, and that whole situation in the championship game you know, made that game probably a little more of a blowout than we were expecting. But uh, Philly, I, I don't think it was a surprise at all. Um, you know, Kansas City, I think there was a couple different ways the AFC could have gone, uh, but it didn't shock me, obviously. I, I think having the week off is a huge advantage, and um, you know, just having to win two games instead of three is a monster advantage uh, when you're playing those type of teams. And um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not surprised at all. Um, and and I, I think they're probably the two best teams. Coach Chessie, with like Kansas City is four and two at one point, then just gets on this mammoth roll down the stretch. And what do you, as you look at this team, what really impresses you about the Chiefs? Um, I think it's their ability to score in, in a variety of ways. Um, obviously, you know, everything funnels through, through Patrick Mahomes, but um, it's, it's been multiple years now where they've just been, I think, probably one of the more schematically innovative um, teams in the NFL, uh, find different ways to use their weapons. And I think it's because they've, they've been able to, you know, accrue players that have a very wide variety of skill sets. You look at a guy like, like um, Kelsey, for example, um, that can create multiple matchup problems. Um, you know, I know as an offensive coordinator, I want to try to be able to present different looks with the same guys on the field. And when I watch, you know, what 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 the the Chiefs have been able to do under Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy, like they've been able to do some things that no other team in the league is doing. Um, and now you're you're getting teams to kind of mimic um, the way that they they use their scheme. So I, I would say. You know, they've got some very versatile pieces. They've got a great decision maker and, and playmaker when things break down. And schematically, they're just they're phenomenal. It's one of the few teams I, like I would want to study out in the NFL in, in terms of how they do things schematically. Coach Bruton? Yeah, I, I don't think it, it shocks me. Um, you know, they, they've, been, they've been really good. Obviously, when you have the best player at, at probably the most important position, that's a huge leg up. And, and I think Mahomes is that guy. They're so creative, like like, uh, like Eric said, just in scheme and uh, just some of the stuff they do and different ways they get guys uh, get the ball to their playmakers and, and maximize their guys' uh, strengths. Uh, they got a dominant, you know, Chris Jones is a dominant defensive lineman, and I think that's a really good starting point on defense. They have some other pieces, I think, defensively that probably are a little underrated. Um, they have a great home field advantage, so getting the two playoff games at home I think was huge, so... I'm not surprised that they're there at all, and, and uh, you know they're, they're really, really good. They, you know, I think they've been there three out of five years, and they've been in the championship game, I think, five years in a row. So there's a reason they continually win at the rate they're winning at. 
So, Coach Chessie, let me ask you, you're a former receiver yourself. Kansas City loses their number one guy uh, coming into the season, but didn't seem like that bothered their offense at all. How, how do you integrate when you don't have that number one guy like that? Travis Kelsey, obviously great, but you don't have that number one guy on the outside. How do you turn that around to make sure that, you, that you're not impacted by a loss of a big guy like that? Um. So obviously Tyreek Hill is, is incredibly talented. Um, he's incredibly fast. Um, he does some things that, that challenge a defense. But to me, as long as you have at least one one receiver that can demand a double team or demand a bracket in some way, shape, or form, your pass game now um, can be incredibly efficient. And so, like, despite losing Tyreek Hill, you know, they – They've got some decent speed, you know, like Juju and, and Marquez can, can run a little bit vertically. And then I think Travis Kelsey is the, is the bracket guy, right? He's the guy that, that forces you to have to structure your defense um, a little bit differently. You have to account for him with more than one defender. Um, so that, that to me is the key. You know, we, we always look for the same thing in our, in our scheme. I know Colin does the same thing. Like how do we, how do we find – a way to take advantage of any time you want to play my best guy one-on-one. And so um, despite losing Hill, Hill, they have a guy that can do that. That, that to me, is, is the key for them. Coach Burton, let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts. Last year he comes in late in the season and becomes a starting quarterback for Philadelphia. Has a, a monster year this year. What are you seeing in this guy that really took him to the next level? Yeah, I think um... – I think there's a couple different things. I, I think they, um, they do a really good job of the quarterback run game and, and making him a threat in the run game. And, and I think because of that, they often can get a plus one in the run game. Um, I think the other part of it that, that makes him really effective is he's got two outstanding receivers on the outside. Um, you know, both A.J. Brown and, and, uh, and Smith are, are so good um, that you kind of got to pick your poison. You know, it's one of those things where you got to decide, do you want to put another number in the box to try to cancel run numbers? But to do that, you know, you're probably leaving at least one of your corners on an island with, with you know, a really high-level receiver. Um, they do a really good job with the vertical passing game. Um, and then I think his ability to extend plays with his legs is, is really impressive. And you know, they've done a really nice job of kind of combining, um, you know, their run scheme with some RPO stuff. Um, and then I, I think a lot of it just comes down to numbers. You know, they're, they're getting a one-on-one. They're going to try to hurt you with vertical passing game. Um, and like I said, those two receivers are so good. And if, if not, you know, if you're, if you're playing coverage and you're kind of trying to take away the two receivers and, and, you know, double them or bracket them, whatever it is, you know, now Hurts adds a number in the run game. And um, they've been really effective. Their offensive line is very, very good, probably the best in football. So it's a really tough offense to try to contain. And, and then Hurts is kind of just a guy that, that is a catalyst to all that. Um, so, yeah, he's had a great year. I think he's developed as a passer, you know, from his college days, which has been really impressive. Um, but he's always been a guy that's been a threat with his legs. He's so strong, um, so physical as a runner. Uh, it's almost like having a true running back back there. Um, so, yeah, he, he's been really impressive. And uh, I think me and Eric both agree, you know, we love when you have a quarterback that can run the ball because it creates so many issues in numbers, you know, and that's really a lot of what offense is, is just, you know, where can you get numbers, you know, if you have to bracket a receiver, now you've lost a number in the run game. Uh, if your quarterback can be a runner, now you've lost a number in coverage, you know, because you've got to try to cancel those numbers. So uh, it's a really well-designed offensive scheme. I'm curious on the both of you, you have Philadelphia that had to battle all the way to the end of the season to ensure they were the division winners, 
it seemed like Kansas City was a foregone conclusion to win their division, you know, five weeks before the season ended. Coach Rescue, would you rather be the team that has to battle every game to, at the, to make sure they're getting that number one spot, or would you rather been Kansas City spot where you knew three or four weeks in advance? Uh, man, that's a tough question. I would say there's advantages to both. I think when when you have to battle, um, it prepares you for, for big game or critical game moments. Um, I think sometimes you see those teams that are like early season, season favorites. Um, they, str- they struggle late when the games matter the most because they haven't been tested. Their team hasn't handled adversity. They, you know, there's, there's this psychological and human element to the game of football, not just your ability, right, um, but how you handle those moments that, that comes into play. But also as a coach, like when you can plan ahead, when you know certain matchups, you know, are, are maybe more in your favor, you can you can manage reps and scheme differently. So it, there's there's advantages to both. Um, I don't know if I've ever been the the one where we've always been, you know, the, the the leader and we can plan ahead. We've always had some battles, even in with some of our best teams um, with, with Colin at Lakeland. We've always had to battle a little bit. So. Um, I'd probably err to the side that I'm most comfortable in, in being being in the, the battle-tested Philadelphia side. What do you think, Coach Bruton? Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, like Eric said, there's advantages in every situation. And, you know, I think uh, for both those teams, being that they got the bye week, um, I think sometimes when you're not playing for anything week whatever, 18 or whatever the last week is, and all of a sudden you can have a two- or three- or four-week period where you're not really playing. Um, you see teams a lot of times uh, out of rhythm. You know, it's happened with Green Bay a few times. It's happened with a couple other teams that, um, you know, if you rest guys week 18 because everything's wrapped up or week 17 or whatever it is, then you have a bye week. And you know, all of a sudden it's been three or four weeks where your guys have played real meaningful football. And I think sometimes you can kind of, you know, get out of rhythm a little bit. So um, I've always been a proponent of you want to play your guys and, and – uh, you know, stay, stay kind of in rhythm and, and keep the momentum going and things like that. So um, I think that's probably the route you want to go. Um, but, but, again, I think, uh, I think having it wrapped up sometimes is nice too. You know, when you know that, uh, you know, you're, you're in a situation that, that you're going to be playing meaningful games, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's also pretty, uh, pretty nice. So let me ask you, Coach Burton, do you think that's more important to be playing – meaningful games when you have a younger guy like Jalen Hurts than it is when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes that's been here before? You know, possibly. Uh, I just think, it, you know, in, in general, just wanting to keep rhythm, um, you know, whether it's Mahomes or it's Hurts or it's Rodgers or it's Brady. Um, you know, I know the New England teams would always play, you know, with, with Brady. They were the one seed for so many years, but they would always play that last week. And at least for a half, and Brady wanted to stay, you know, in rhythm with his receivers and in rhythm with the offense. And um, so I don't know if it makes makes a huge difference, you know, whether it's a guy that has a lot of playoff experience or not. Um, I, I just think it's so important to stay in rhythm and keep that positive momentum going. And you know, to me, that's more valuable than, than maybe an extra week of rest. Or um, you know, obviously there's always injury risk, and, and you're rolling the dice a little bit, you know. But at the same time. Um, Again, I think when you know you have the bye week, I would rather keep our guys in rhythm and, and uh, keep playing. Well, I'm going to ask both of you this question, but we'll start here with Coach Tresky. Uh, Jalen Hurts is probably the biggest game of his life. He's got a little experience there at Alabama, but this is going to be the biggest game of his life. How, how do you keep this guy from getting overwhelmed by the situation? I think in big moments, 
you know, that my, my, my advice to Jalen would be to, to do it what got you here. Like the, the circumstance, the situation um, doesn't dictate who you are. You, you dictate your performance in the situation. And I, I realize there's some, some added pressure in some of those things, especially, at, you know, the media buildup. There's, you know, their week of prep going into a Super Bowl game is very different um, than, it, than it is any other time of the year. But, you know, when you get to game time, you're, you're still at the heart of it, at the core of what you're doing. You're still playing the game that you love. You're still, you're still doing what, what's gotten you to this point. Nothing's different. The field dimensions don't change, right? Your scheme's not really going to change drastically. All the things that he's done to prepare him to get to that moment are, are going to be what's going to ultimately lead to his success. So I would always try to bring him back to who he is and what got him there. I think, I think schematically, um, you know, Philly's been the best team in football on their opening drive. They do a really good job of scripting their first 15 or, you know, 10 plays, whatever, whatever they're doing. Um, I would try to make sure that, that things are comfortable early, you know, so find out what, what he likes best. Uh, obviously, you know that throughout the year. Uh, I'd also run them early. You know, I think um, anytime you get hit, it kind of settles you into the game a little bit. Um, and you hear quarterbacks say that a lot or, or, you know, players that, you know, once they kind of get that first contact, the, the jitters go away. So I'd look to run them early, um, let them get settled in that way, uh, and then just try to really, really be conscious of, of uh, you know, making sure that what, whatever we're scripting that first drive is stuff that he's most comfortable with. You know, so I think it's going to be um, some of the quick RPO throws. He's probably going to be getting him on the edge with his feet a little bit with some of the, uh, the boot action or, or sprint action. Um, and then, I, like I said, so I, I would certainly uh, quarterback run game and, and try to calm him down that way. Well, well, let's turn to the part that's the most dear to the two of you, the coaching staff. So, uh, Coach Bruton, let's first of all begin. Your thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles head coach and the, the job the coaching staff has done there with this club? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he, it looks like he kind of embodies that city, uh, Sirianni. He's, he's a little cocky, a little arrogant. Um, He's got a toughness to him, a brashness to him that I think kind of fits Philadelphia, and it kind of fits that team. Uh, I think he's done a really good job. You know, I think they have a really, really good roster, um, so I, I think that's part of it. I, I think they probably have the best roster in football. And as I said earlier, the, I think Hertz is making about a million dollars a year as, as a second-round rookie. Um, so that, that certainly helps. But I think he's done a really good job of kind of playing to their strengths. Um, but I think they're going to be a really confident group coming into the game, and I think a lot of that just feeds off of him and, and kind of his confidence and um, the, w- the way he acts and things like that. So I think he's done a really good job. I think he's probably a little bit underrated, honestly, the, the job he's done. And you see the way they've, they've you know, changed their offensive scheme to fit what, what Jalen Hurts does um, and kind of fit their personnel I think is really, really smart. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's really good. And I, I don't think if, if Philly gets beat on, on Sunday, I don't think it's going to be coaching that, that gets them beat. Coach Trusty, your thoughts on Coach Sirianni? Uh, I really don't have much more to add to what he said about the Eagles staff. Uh, I think they do a phenomenal job. I, I think, you know, from the Chiefs' perspective, I, I would say I'm equally as impressed. You know, Colin spoke before, um, you know, how they've had a sustained success. One of the things that always fascinates me as a coach is it's one thing to be a good program or, or, or get, you know, become a good program. It's another thing to sustain it. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do in sport is, is to get, get sustained success because it, it requires systems and it requires the ability to manage personalities 
uh, manage rosters and finances. There's a lot of things that go into it. And then also be willing to be cutting edge, do, do different things. And, and that's a credit to you know, not only Andy Reid as the head coach, but his coordinators do a phenomenal job of, of staying current because um, you better believe, you know, the success they've had offensively, they're one of the first teams that are going to be studied, you know, across the league, or what are they doing and how are they doing it. Um, so you, you've got to be willing to, to do things in a different way, in a new way, um, without maybe losing the heart of your identity. So, um, yeah, I, I, I admire both staffs. I, I would say I, I would obviously admire the Chiefs just for, for how long they've been able to do it. Coach Bruton, your thoughts on Andy Reid? Yeah, I think uh, as Eric mentioned earlier, schematically they're they're outstanding. You know, they're they're innovative. They're um, you know they do a ton of different stuff with like the shovel pass down at the goal line that just become extension of the run game. Um, but they do it creative different ways, and they've done it with a ton of different guys. You know, you see like the way they've plugged in um, different running backs, for instance, this year, and it doesn't really change what they do. And they plugged in different receivers, and they move Kelsey around. So I, I think schematically they're very good. Um, I think Reed's been doing it for a long time, and, and is probably you know one of the best to ever do it. I think he's probably a guy that um, honestly is underrated. Um, you know, didn't win a Super Bowl with Philly, but I think they they made it to one. They were in the championship game four or five times. He's been he's won one with the Chiefs. Um, I think they lost one. I mean, he, he's just constantly produced success, which is really hard to do. The one area I think Andy Reid, you, you'll see uh, time management. He's not very good. And that's something that drives me crazy, uh, the, the time management aspect of it. But uh, one of the things I think on Sunday you'll see, and, and it's happened quite a bit with him, is, is in big games their time management has been really poor. Um, end of the, the first half in the AFC Championship game, you know, they had the ball like 2.30 to go. Um, should have had the last possession of the half. They throw three incomplete passes in a row, and, and they punt back, you know, before even the two-minute warning back to Cincinnati. Cincinnati goes down and gets a field goal and kind of flipped that game. I think it was 13-3, to three and it went to 13-6. to six. Um, He's had a couple of those, you know, every year kind of in the playoffs. So that's the one thing I'd watch out for with Andy Reid is that time management-wise, they, they can be poor. Now, I want to ask you, Coach Tressie, going back to your, your point about consistency, um, now, you were in a very successful program in Lakeland and were the guy who was leading a, a, a high-powered offense and, and wound up becoming head coach. And, and Andy Reid has had great coordinators over the years. Some have moved on to become head coaches out there in the NFL. H- how do you think that you're able to keep that type of consistency when you are losing coordinators and guys that are pivotal to your club? Uh, it's really difficult. I, I think you have to have a plan um, to develop your, your coordinators and develop not just your, your coordinators but position coaches. You know, I look at, you know, I've got Colin on the call. I look at how Colin's been able to help develop um, some of the guys that, that have weren't coordinators like a guy like uh, Mitch Shepard or a guy like Joey Lato now who's the D coordinator at, at Lakeland. Those guys were at one time, you know, GAs for us, but Colin always made sure to help develop them and put them in positions to grow. So, you know, if I left or somebody else left within the staff, they were they were ready. Um, your, your one of your biggest jobs as a head coach is to make sure that you're preparing and, and getting your your support staff, not just your your coordinators, but everybody on your staff, into a position where they can take their next level. Um, and I think when when you do that, you're able you're able to reload. Um, a little bit easier. It's never easy losing good people, um, but if you're developing your, your entire group, 
um, you'll you'll have guys that are ready to embrace uh, more responsibility. Let's talk about the game, Coach Bruton. What's a matchup in this contest that you're really going to be watching? Um, I think I think to me the matchup's going to be uh, kind of the offense defense lines on both sides. Um, I think Chris Jones, you know, I, I really think Philly's offense line is the best in football. And I think Kansas City struggle if they can't get pressure. Uh, so I think their ability to control Chris Jones and, and uh, play at the line of scrimmage is going to be key. Uh, you know, Jacksonville ran for about 150 yards on KC and kind of I, I thought they did a nice job at the line of scrimmage. Um, if Philly can have that type of success running the ball and, and, and keep Hurts clean, um, it's going to be really tough for Kansas City to stop them. Uh, on the other side, I think, uh, you know, Hassan Reddick is, you know, kind of that defense end, that edge player. Um, you know, we'll see how mobile Mahomes is. I think I'd expect him to be a lot more mobile than he was two weeks ago. Um, but, again, if they can pressure Mahomes, that's kind of been the way that teams have been able to, to stop him. I think the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, um, he just got pressured and pressured with Ford and, and uh, got hit a ton in that game. I thought he really played courageously even though they got blown out. But, um so I, I think the ability of the offensive lines to protect um, is, is going to be key. And to me, that's the whole key to the game. And uh, I, I think that's why, I, you know, not to give it away, I think I lean Felix. I think they're they're better on both fronts. Uh, Coach Trusty, your your keys to this contest for both teams. Yeah, it's hard to argue um, the line of scrimmage. I think that that's definitely the case. And I think. For, for Kansas City, they're going to have to find a way to, to be able to consistently run the ball efficiently enough to, to utilize you know, a guy like Travis Kelsey's stat, um, a skill set. So to me, I, like that matchup, you know, how, how they're able to manipulate maybe the underneath second-level defenders for, for Philly, how they can maybe, maybe not win the matchup, because I agree with Colin, like the D-line of the Eagles is really, really strong. So you might not win that matchup, but can you neutralize it and force other players to have to be in conflict um, so, so your perimeter players can be more successful. And then ultimately, you know, it's, it's who's going to allow either quarterback to be more comfortable. Um, if Mahomes is, is taking hits and doing those things, obviously he's well known for what he can do with his feet and extending plays, but it's really difficult when you're doing that for four straight quarters. You, you have to be able to, to get settled a little bit. Um, so I, I would say – that's the matchup, and I would also agree with Colin. Like, I think Philly's more, more complete. Well, let's talk about some intangibles, Coach Tresky. You have some fun stories out there, two brothers playing on opposite teams. You know, you have uh, a very experienced head coach and quarterback going against an inexperienced head coach and quarterback. What's a story or intangible that you look at at this game that kind of stands out to you? Um, to me, it's it's – I think the rise of Jalen Hurts, I feel like he's a, he's a, a quarterback that doesn't get a, a lot of acclaim. Even in college, obviously, he had a ton of success, but, you know, how quickly everyone wanted to move on, you know, to, to Tua, for example. Um, all, all he's done, you know, from the high school level all the way, up, you know, back in Houston to now, he's been a winner. He's been a leader. He's been a guy that has the ability to, to not just be a, a good football player, but operate an offense and lead a team and, um, I think you're going to see him, although it's his first Super Bowl, it's not his first big game, and I think you're going to see him step into his own and, and 
as good as Patrick Mahomes is, like I think with Jalen Hurts and his skill set and having the support cast he does, like I think he's going to be the story of, of, of Sunday. Coach Putin? Yeah, you know, I don't, the, the intangible stuff, all those storylines, I think with two weeks of media hype, you, you try to find all these different um, angles. You know, the Kelsey brothers, it's, it's Andy Reid, um, you know, going back to play against Philly. And, and when you get down to it, none of that stuff really matters. You know, it's, it's all just kind of stuff to fill the week. And, um, you know, once the game starts, it's just, it's just about execution and, and um, you know, kind of what team obviously plays better, coaches better, and things like that. So um, I don't know that, you know, intangible-wise it's, you know, it's going to be – it's not like these guys need any extra motivation or anything like that to, uh, to get ready to play in this type of game. So um, obviously in big games, you know, you always talk turnovers and special teams and all that stuff. But um, I, I really think that, it, you know – I think this Philly team is really, really good and, and really underrated. And I, I think the Philly, uh, to me, the story afterwards is going to be the, how good that Philly defense is. And I think it's a unit that's been underrated a little bit all year. Um, but I, I really could see this Philly defensive line causing a ton of problems for, for Kansas City and, and them not being able to run the ball. And um, I think their defensive backs are really good. I think that may end up being the storyline when it's done. Well, on that note, how about if we have uh... – you guys tell us who you think is going to win the game. So we'll start with Coach Bruden. Who wins and why? Yeah, I think uh, Philadelphia. I got it uh, 34-24. Um, I, I just think they're better up front. I think they're the more complete team. Um, I think, like I said, I think you're going to see the Philly defensive line um, have some success. They're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to sack Mahomes. Um, I think Kansas City's really going to struggle to run the ball. Uh, and, and I think Philadelphia is going to be able to run the ball well, um, and it's going to open up some opportunities. So I think uh, you'll see Devontae Smith uh, vertical a couple times. I think he'll make a couple big plays. I think he's a guy that uh, is kind of a sneaky MVP pick in this game, um, if it's not Hurts. Uh, but I, I just think they're going to do enough. I think Philly gets up early, uh, forces KC to be a little bit more one-dimensional, and I think it finishes 34-24. Coach Jesse? Uh, I, I would lean – towards Philly. Uh, I think it might be a little bit closer than that, but um, I, I'm going to say Philly 28, uh, and I'm going to say KC 24. I think it'll be a close game, but I'm going to say Philly with the, the line of scrimmage advantage. Okay, let me give you each one bonus question. Okay, so halftime show, scale of 1 to 10. What are we thinking, Coach Resky? I don't even know who's in the halftime show. Right? I have no <laughs> That's idea. where I'm at, too. <laughs> That's where I'm at, too. Coach Broden. I'm pretty sure it's Rihanna. Um, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go six point five in the halftime show with with, uh, with Rihanna. I know there's some people. Uh, at, we, we were with a few Lakeland alum uh, down in Houston last weekend, and there were some young ladies talking about getting Rihanna T-shirts because they were they were celebrating Rihanna more than the uh, Eagles or the Chiefs. So I'm sure there'll be some people tuning in for the halftime show and not much of the game, and I hope they really enjoy themselves. Fantastic. Coach Tresky, Coach Broughton, thanks for joining me.